you know, the cash is gone or whatever. And then you're like, oh my God, it's over. It's over. And then the cash is like, hey, and, you know, just like, <laughs> like nothing's wrong. And so- <laughs> And welcome to Turtle Tales Radio. I am super excited today because I have a very, very special guest. It's been some someone that we've wanted to get on the show for quite some time, and finally she's here. So please welcome Sophie Campbell. How are you? Hey, I'm good. Thanks for having me. Oh, thanks for being on. I again, we were just talking a second ago. There's been delay after delay, but finally, and they've all been my fault. No, <laughs> finally we, we get you on, and uh, we can talk some turtles and everything. So. First of all, I just want to say you're absolutely killing it. I know uh, my buddy Zach from Booyaka Show, he and I have been talking about just how awesome you're, you've uh, been able to just take the turtles and run with them after issue 100, the epic issue 100. Well, I'll, I'll jump right into the question, Sophie. So um, before we talk about your, your current stuff with the turtles, what got you into comics in the first place? Was this always a dream of yours or is this something you kind of grew into? Tell us where, where it all started for you. Um... Turtles, that was one of the big ones when I was a kid, and Calvin and Hobbes was the other big one. Oh, no way. But, like, yeah, I love Calvin and Hobbes, and I got into, like, the, the, the Mirage stuff when I was, like, nine or ten years old. Wow. So, uh, um, when you say Mirage, are you talking about uh, the early, like, volume one stuff, or? Yeah, like, the, yeah, like, I had, uh, it was, like, First Publishing, I think, was the company, and they did, like, four collected books of, like, the first 11 issues, wow. I think, something like that, and they were colorized from the original black and white comics, so, like, that's, that's what I had, I had, like, and, you know, so I had those four books and, like, a smattering of... Uh, the single issues. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. So how old were you during this time? Uh, like nine or ten. Oh, wow. So uh, so were you a comics first and then the cartoon kind of person? Um, No, I was like toys first. You know, like you know, kids, they would, you know, they would bring the, the figures to, to school. Mm-hmm. And I'd be, just be like, whoa, like, what are these? Yeah. Never seen these guys before. And then... Uh, Donatello was the first one I got. Um, oh, me too. Nice. <laughs> and I didn't like. I watched the cartoon like here and there, but like I was never big into TV when I was a, a kid. Like I mostly watched, or like I mostly played with toys, and I was like playing outside and drawing and stuff like that. And um, I was really bad at. Like, this goes for comics, too, but, like, whenever, like, when I was little, like, whenever there was something that was, like, on a specific schedule, like, I just didn't, it, I didn't get it. I didn't understand or something. So, like, I didn't understand that a comic would come out, like, once a month or there'd be, like, a new Turtles episode every, you know, Saturday or, like, whatever it was. Like, I just didn't, I didn't get it. And, um... So I just, you know, it, it was it was like too much effort. I was like, yeah. ah, cartoon, ah, whatever, it's fine. You know, I, the, the the toys are cool, and that, that you know, and then once I got into the uh, the Mirage comics, like there was like an older kid down the street who had some of the Mirage stuff. And he had the um, the nineteen eighty five Palladium uh, RPG Turtles RPG. Wow, really? Yeah, and so like after I saw that, I was like. You know, like what? Like what are these turtles? Like the ones in the cartoon <laughs> look stupid. And I, I, you know, I got my my turtles toys and like I painted their masks all red and stuff like that. There we go. <laughs> um, yeah, and I just kind of like shunned the cartoon stuff after that. Like I was like a, a purist when I was like in fourth grade or whatever. <laughs> it's like that's baby stuff. 
and um yeah and so like you know uh the the mirage comics and that old palladium book that kevin and peter illustrated that's like what really got me into it yeah that set me on the path i guess so were you drawing during this time you know is, is that kind of something that that came natural to you or is that something you had to work at um I mean, I was drawing when I was little. I don't, you know, I wasn't very good because I was like a child. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I was definitely, there's, I cannot remember which issue it was, but there was like a series of interviews they, that uh, IDW was doing in the back of some of the issues with like like artists and writers and stuff like that. And there was one issue where, where I, I gave them uh, some art that I, some turtles art that I had done when I was 10 and they oh, so published cool. it in the back. So like, you know, I was doing turtle stuff like back in <laughs> you know, 1990 or whatever. That is really cool. Yeah. Cause uh, obviously turtles have, you've been around the franchise for a long time. I was actually going through your work and of course you've done some amazing solo projects and everything. The spooked wet moon. Was it shadow eyes? Yeah. Um, yeah, so you you've obviously you gained an audience on your own, and then I noticed, and I never knew this before, that you'd been around the turtles in the I think Virage Volume Two of Tales of the TMNT. That's my favorite volume of the turtles ever. Uh, yeah, I did. I did some covers, and I did those like frontist pieces. I think they call them. Yeah, yeah, I noticed that. I've got uh, looks like Tales Volume Two Issue Twenty Nine. You did the the frontist piece on Soul Survivor. Yeah, I did. There was one because I did two frontest pieces. I did one that was just Donatello by himself, and then I did one where it was Don and Shadow, like playing chess or something. Yeah, chess. Yeah, so I did those, and then I did the Bad Moon Rising covers. Yeah, I saw that. Yes, it looks amazing, and it's kind of cool because I still see your style even back then, and that was what thirteen, fourteen years ago. It's very uh, similar to what it is now. It's it's neat. So about that, like, was that always a goal of yours, or is that something that you know just kind of fell into your lap? I mean, as far as did you always want to pursue the turtles in some way? Um, like off and on, like during like high school, I kind of like fell off it a little bit, and then I got back into turtles in college, and then uh, you know that that was when uh. There were no Turtles comics being published at that point. There was like a, a brief window, yeah. like or whatever, between. Um, yeah, in the late nineties, yeah. Yeah, like Jim Lawson's Volume Two. Then there was the Image stuff, which I never really read. Mm -hmm. And then Jim and Peter started doing Volume Four, and that was like when I was in college. And I was like, I was like, whoa, they're doing they're publishing Turtles comics again. It's like. <laughs> You know, and then you know they were doing tales, and they had all these different artists and stuff. Yeah, and I was just like, "Whoa!" Like, I wonder if I could. You know, like, I have no idea who to contact or whatever, but I wonder if I could do something like this. And I, I can't remember. I can't even remember how I did it, but I managed to get a hold of uh, Steve Murphy, who was oh, like, "No way!" He, you know, he wrote a whole bunch of turtle stuff. You know, he wrote like Sons of the Silent Age and stuff, and he he was working at on like like the licensing stuff at Mirage at that point. And I can't remember how I got his email. I felt like I, I got it from a friend, or but I just I just emailed him out of the blue, and I was like, I was like, hey, you don't know me, <laughs> but here's a bunch of my turtle fan art, you know, or whatever. And that's how that's how I got that Mirage work. Wow, that well, that that's pretty incredible, and you know that's sometimes that's just how it is, right? You just randomly send somebody an email, not really expecting a response, and then boom, you get one. Yeah, I mean, you know, you got nothing to lose. Like, if he just ignores you, then who cares? Yeah, exactly. He says no, fine, but yeah, it worked out. Oh, that's so cool. So, so when you saw um, when you saw your stuff in a turtles book, was that kind of a a big moment for you, or was that you know because you were pretty well accomplished at that point uh, in comics? Yeah, it was definitely it was definitely awesome. Yeah, it was great. And then I was supposed to do a Tales issue. I had like a pitch. Oh, no way. Tales issue, but it didn't happen because that was around when the Viacom sale was happening. 
Oh, that's right. Yeah. You know, just the whole thing just stopped. So I didn't get to do it. Well, that actually kind of leads into your work with IDW and everything. Um, So right, it seemed like in April of 2012, that's when you did the Leonardo Micro Series. And I saw that you had done the pencils in City Fall, uh, the Leo's Dream sequence, which that was amazing, by the way. I love that. And you've done, uh, I think, the Alapex Villains comic. The, the Turtles one, and uh, I think you had... Uh, yeah, so you did the Northampton um, story, too. TMNT 29 through 32. So how did like how did the whole IDW run come about for you? Can you kind of take us behind the curtain, like, who contacted who? Um, you know, was Bobby Kernow coming after you? Did you talk to him? I always love learning the behind the scenes and how artists and writers get involved in these books. Okay, well, yeah, so I was talking about Dark Horse trying to get the Turtles license. Yeah, I heard about that. Yeah, so so I was supposed to do that, and then they lost it to IDW, and then, you know, I didn't get to do it. So they hired, you know, like IDW, they all did all their stuff in-house or whatever. So, yeah, so, like, after, you know, I I, I lost that job, like, I, I made a, a stink on Twitter about it. Like, that was my book. That was <laughs> my Turtles book, like, that kind of thing. And I don't know if that caught their attention or not but i like to think it does because it was because it's funny and i think i was kind of on their radar to begin with because i had done some mirage stuff and you know my fan art had had been making the rounds and stuff like that so then bobby the the editor you know he approached me about the leo micro and that was pretty much it that's cool so bobby came up to you first wow oh well um so when you start working on these books, what is what is the process? Like, for instance, you're, you're now currently working on Turtle stuff. What issue are, are you on right now? Like, how far into the future is it when you work on it by the time it comes out to the people? Um, it's, a, it's a bit far. I just uh, – I haven't been drawing, but I just finished writing issue uh, 112 yesterday. Wow. And I think because, like, a different artist is doing – 109 through 112, and she just finished drawing issue 109. So it's not like the writing is pretty far ahead, but the art is not super far ahead. It's like a, it's like a few months ahead. Yeah, so, so the reason I ask these questions is like one of my personal dreams has always been to, to write comics. I can't draw to save my life, but I love to write. <laughs> um, I'm an English major and everything, and that's always been you know one of my dreams ever since I was uh, – a little kid, could you give writers that are wanting to uh, write comics and collaborate with an artist, maybe some like do's and don'ts, maybe some good things that artists appreciate about writers when they communicate and maybe some not so good things? Mm. Well, I don't know. One of, one of uh, the things that I always remember is I was working on glory, the glory uh, revamp for image and that, you know, this this isn't like this isn't like bad or whatever because yeah. sometimes you have to draw stuff you don't like to draw. But I remember <laughs> the first Glory script written by Joe Keating. He it, there was the first page. It was like panel one, a huge battle scene. And like, <laughs> first panel. Know, it's like, uh, <laughs> gonna be a long book. <laughs> yeah, and and like. You know, sometimes there has to be huge battle scenes, but just, like, that's what I think of. And, you know, and I'm paraphrasing from Joe's script or whatever, yeah, right. but, like, <laughs> that's something that always ticks me off when I'm drawing somebody else's script because it's, like, it it just, there's just something, like, you know, like, I think, like, ah, oh, they haven't even thought about, like, what I'm going to have to do, yeah, have they? going to be? <laughs> Right, or whatever, and I did, um, when I was was working on Gem and the Holograms with Kelly Thompson, I love Kelly, you know, we're very close friends and everything, but I remember there was one issue where there was, like, this whole sequence that was in this, like, like, uh, like amusement park, and the characters, they go on a Ferris wheel, and I'm just like, go Bunga! Like, does it have to be on a Ferris wheel? Like, is that is that critical? 
you know, you know, so could it be the I, teacups <laughs> or, you know, and she had this other character have like a motorcycle. And I'm just like, come on, throw me a bone here. And like, I feel like not that, you know, cause like I'm like writing scripts for other artists right now. And there's definitely stuff where I'm just like, you know, I could have like a Ferris wheel in here. But do I really want to punish the artist like that? <laughs> it's just like, you know, I, I, I think like sometimes you have to throw the artist a bone and just like take a shortcut right. in, your writing, in your writing script so you can just like go a little easy on them. Although, you know, I'm saying all this, but like I just finished a script where there's this like huge brawl between all these characters. <laughs> and, you know, like I was thinking, I was just like, oh, my God, like I'm going to. I'm punishing Jody with this. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. But like, uh, and there, there's another issue I did for her where that has motorcycles in it. So it's like, <laughs> yeah, I'm like, Jody, I know there's motorcycles in this, but like, feel free to like, take shortcuts and make them like, you know, post-apocalyptic junk motorcycles so they're easier <laughs> to draw and stuff like that. So like I try I try to like whenever I draw stuff or whenever I write stuff that is horrible to draw I try to tell the artist like please take shortcuts and make it easier or if you hate this just let me know and I'll rewrite it. Right, exactly. Well that that reminds me of uh about a year ago we had Michael Dialinus on the show. I hope I'm seeing his last name. Oh right. yeah. Uh, Dial Dialinus I think is how you pronounce it. Oh okay, it. gotcha. Gotcha. I never could say it right. Jeez. Uh, he even coached me on how to say it, and I still got it wrong. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he uh, he said the same thing about motorcycles. That was his pet peeve. He's like, oh. So he'd, he'd save those scenes for the very end to draw. <laughs> yeah, terrible. It's, it's, they're not fun. Unless, I don't know. Unless, like, because sometimes there's, you know, like uh, like Final Fantasy Advent Children where Cloud's motorcycle, it's like a future. Yeah sleek kind of fun motorcycle but like real motorcycles aren't fun <laughs> or engines are just out you know there's like tubes everywhere like you don't know what they do <laughs> it's just really it's really they're not fun <laughs> oh that's that's hilarious well that that's a great point though you know a lot of times as writers we're just we think we get an idea in our head and we get so fixated on oh no it's got to be a motorcycle but really does it have to be you know you can probably still get the point across and I think I think writers I think think of the artist obviously and yeah. um, one thing one thing that really ticks me off um, I hope I've never unwittingly done this but <laughs> it's when okay so there's like panel one right there's character X and character Y and character X speaks to character Y and there you know there's like one balloon two balloon or whatever right. And then in panel two, the writer has character Y speak first and character X speak second. I hate that. Oh, really? Were they were they just talking back and forth, panel to panel? Yeah, like so when they have them talking back and forth, like keep the characters in the same order in each panel. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, because it's like if suddenly character Y speaks first, like do you keep them in the same position and let the letterer take care of it? <laughs> or do you switch them somehow? But then, like, why are they switching? You have to come up with a reason, like, why the characters have suddenly switched places. You know, like, character speaking first should always be on the left. You know, like that kind right. of thing. And that that's something that um, a lot of writers don't seem to pick up on. Yeah, and is there, like, an unwritten panel rule, too, per page? Um... I don't know. It de it really depends because like there's some like some old turtles comics, for example. If in like uh, like Kevin, he would do these fight scenes with all these little panels, you know. But he was writing; they were writing it themselves, so it's a little different. But like like if I got a script from a writer that had like like even seven panels, I'm kind of like, uh. <laughs> 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 but like it it depends on what. It is like I'll put more panels in if if it's something that's supposed to be like going fast. I'll put more panels in, but they'll be like small panels, you know. Right, um, that makes sense. Yeah. So yeah, it it really depends. Another thing that ticks me off is if a writer 
includes like layout direction in their script. Um, like panel one, a really large panel. Like, no, 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 no. Don't tell, <laughs> don't tell me how to do my job. I get to decide if it's a big panel or a small panel. So how the one drawing this? <laughs> so like that's that kind of makes me bristle a little bit. Well, that's good to know because, well, first of all, uh, I was writing a story and the main character has a motorcycle. So now I'm already doubting that. I'm like, well, maybe uh, I should change it to something. Maybe a bike. Just make it, just make it like a future motorcycle because like yeah, sleep. whenever there, there's a future, like a futuristic bike, it always seems to have a lot of like plating and stuff on it that covers up all the engine stuff. <laughs> so like that's the main thing is to yeah. like, cover up the stuff that's hard to draw. I'll have to turn into a sci-fi story. There we go. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. What were you? Uh, you mentioned a lot of the um, Kevin Eastman stuff. Are there any favorite comic stories, especially involving the Turtles, that that you like as a fan? Um, I mean, I love you know, I love like the first eleven issues or so of Mirage. Oh, I know they're good. Um, I like. I really like a lot of uh, like the short stories. Me too. Like, Those are always my favorite. Yeah, like New York Ninja is one of my favorite ones. That Don the Donatello story, I really like. Um, AC Farley's short turtle stories in yes. Turtle Soup, I really like those. Um, I like, yeah, I like the turtle stuff where it's not as big. I guess you know, you know, like Return to New York is great, and City uh, City at War is great, and all that stuff. But like. The stuff that I always go back to revisit is like the smaller stuff. It's it sounds like we're very similar in that way. Like I always like the more character driven stories, you know, where where action kind of slows down a little bit, and and you kind of get to know the character a little bit. And that's kind of what's happening with what's out right now. You know, it's finally things have slowed down. There's been reconciliation with the turtles, um, and now we're learning a lot more about jenica and leonardo and and their relationship with lita and i can't wait to talk about that here in a little bit but yeah i kind of side with you i like stories that are a little bit slower paced but you get to know the characters a a bit more yeah um like i'm trying to think of some other ones i really like uh survival game do you remember that's that short story oh was that i'm thinking survivalist was that like issue 12 it, no, 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 not survivalist. It was the uh, survival game. It was by um, Jim Lawson and, and uh, Ryan Brown. It's in the Shell Shock section. Oh yeah, yeah. It's just like I can't remember how, how like how many pages it is, but it's like just the turtles playing like laser tag. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and that, that's the end. You know, then at the end they're like, "Wow, I, you know, like oh, I really got into it like a little too hard, or whatever." And like <laughs> that's one of my favorite turtle stories and. Uh, yeah, I just love. I love the small stuff. I wish I could do just more like, just like one-off little like kind of silly stories like that. Yeah, yeah. I think that would be really fun. Oh, I was just gonna say, uh, have you ever read the? Um, oh, it's Tales Volume Two, Issue Nine. It's uh, the Path. That's the one with Clunk, the infamous Clunk issue. Oh yeah, where Clunk dies. Oh yeah. my gosh, that would rip my heart out. <laughs> <laughs> What'd you say? I'm sorry. Oh no, yeah, we're clunk guys. It was pretty rough. Oh, I know. It ripped my heart out. Yeah. But the, those are the kinds of issues that like always mean so much to me. As a matter of fact, that was the issue that kind of I didn't know, and I feel like such a heel when I say this, but I didn't know that the turtles were based on a comic till much, much later. Um, uh, I grew up on the cartoon. Didn't know there was a volume one or anything. First movie I ever saw uh, was Turtles One uh, in the theaters. And uh, I remember going to a comic book shop in New Jersey, and I happened to see it was when uh, Volume Four had, had just come out in early two thousand one, yeah. I think. And of course, sure enough, I found the first issue I read was Tales, Volume Two, Issue Nine. You know, the Clunk one. <laughs> right. and I was like, "Oh my gosh, this this is a Turtles book, and it's making me cry." <laughs> right, right. Yeah, that was that was a rough issue. Yeah, and, and that goes to show you, too, that there's something special about this franchise, too, and, and the writing, because, you know, you have this seemingly absurd idea, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and yet the writers find a way to tug at your heartstrings, you know, and uh, and a credit to you and so many others that, that do that so well. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and I don't know. I think, I feel like in a lot of Turtles stuff, like that kind of writing gets lost. Yeah. 
Well, because it's like turtles. You know, it's huge now, and mm. not you know, not that that's bad or whatever. But like a lot of times, it's just like it's like how you know how crazy can it be or how kooky and over the top, which is fine. But the stuff that always like you know really sticks with me or whatever is you know like you're saying like the clunk stuff or just stuff like it doesn't even need to be emotional just the stuff that's like just kind of small and there's this kind of grounded feeling to it yeah i completely agree i completely agree and before we get to your most current stuff with the turtles um as a fan you know and looking at the idw run i mean we're at 107 issues now what are some of your favorite moments from these issues as a fan Oh man, I think my favorite so far is, um, I even did a cover of one of the issues and I'm blanking on which issues they were, but the first, the first time the turtles fight Slash and Andy Kuhn is drawing Oh it, yeah. And they find the, um, they're like bunker layer, like under the church. It's, you know, Slash has gotten out, the turtles don't realize it, and he attacks them in like that dark bunker area and that's one of my favorites um like it starts out and it starts out with the turtles like playing twister which i (laughs) like it's the hot spot yeah that that feels really like like that's the kind of stuff i want it's just (laughs) the turtles just like doing silly stuff yeah they're teenagers right yeah and you know they're playing twister and the stuff is slash it's just like really straightforward it's really simple um doesn't have like it's you know it's like confined to like one area and it doesn't have any like big like villain stuff going on it's just like really simple so yeah i really like that story i think it's like i think it's like 14 like issues 14 to 16 or something yeah i was gonna say that's a long time ago yeah Yeah, i did i did a variant cover for one of them Um, oh nice i think it was 16 but uh yeah so so i really like that one I really like Bebop and Rocksteady destroy, destroy everything. everything. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, you know, that's pretty like crazy and over the top, but I really like that. Not just because I worked on it. <laughs> I was going to say, I got that in my notes. <laughs> yeah. I really like that one. I really like, I'm trying to have to like, I'm glancing at like my IDW collections on the, on the shelf over here. <laughs> trying to like jog my memory. I think I really liked, um, the April and Casey mini. I think most fans didn't like it that much, but I like that. I liked it too. It, it kind of slowed down the action a bit, but I I, I enjoyed it. By Irene Co and uh, Mariko, that was really good. Mm. It was kind of a big story, but I liked uh, Attack on Technodrome. Oh yeah, that was really good. Um, I like Corey Smith a lot. He's good. Yeah, very good. There's some other good ones. Like, like of course, after we finish, <laughs> you know, I'm gonna be like, oh, that issue. I should have said that one. <laughs> but yeah, there's a lot of good ones. I like a lot of the the universe issues. Me too. I love universe. Yeah, it, you know, it feel it feels like it. The stuff in universe could like breathe a bit more because it didn't have mm-hmm. to like, you know, continue all these various like plot lines and stuff like that. Yeah, I, yeah. And I loved your work on Karai's Path for universe. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that was man. I loved working on Karai's Path. That was so fun. Oh, that was that's one of my favorite stories. Uh, out of any of the IDW runs, so really made me a cry fan for sure. I feel like I feel like I was firing on all cylinders on that one. <laughs> it was like so fun. I had a blast working on that. Well, th- well, that's speaking of that. You know, out of all the stuff that you've contributed with the turtles, what's some of your most proud stuff you've done? Mm, I mean, de- definitely Cry's path and mm. the uh, the prey backup stories that. I wrote. Oh yeah, that's right. That was that was the first thing that I got to um, write and draw was those the Koya backups and in like each issue, and like I colored I colored those I lettered them myself I did everything wow. on, which is like really cool, and like, um, and with the like with that thing like the Koya's like magical wings or whatever were were my idea. And like just getting getting to do that and like really like add something. Wow. 
you know, like, you know, I had added like pepperoni at that point, which, you know, a, a major addition to. <laughs> oh, I love pepperoni. <laughs> but like, yeah, de- definitely the, the prey backups. It felt like, you know, like I was like contributing or whatever. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So that was really cool. The Leo macro was fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, I mean, I'm really proud of the stuff I'm doing now. But I think, like, <laughs> I think, I think the Karai's Path and Prey were like, you know, like, uh, like really important. Oh, absolutely. I, that's why I had no doubt that, uh, you know, you, when you took over the reins after seeing Karai's Path and, and definitely the macro series, um, I was like, oh, it's in good hands. We're good. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, let's talk about uh, some of the more current stuff. Uh, so spoilers, listeners, uh, we are going to be spoiling some plots here, plot points Go read the, the comics and then come back and listen uh, for sure. But yeah, issue 101. Um, let me see. I took a bunch of notes on these, so I'm going to try to uh, get through this. Uh, first of all, was it your idea to incorporate Mona Lisa or was that something that Bobby came up with? No, that was me. Nice. Nice touch. Thanks. Uh, I had actually – I hadn't seen the Mona Lisa episode until like a couple of years ago. Oh, no way. Really? <laughs> I kind of just, like, I knew the character because she's, like, you know, so popular in, like, the fandom or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I knew, base, I knew like, kind of what her deal was. You know, I, I knew what she looked like. Um, I knew that, you know, she was supposed to be, like, a, a love interest for Raph or whatever. But, yeah, I, I had never seen, like, the full episode, so I, I watched it, like, a, a couple of years ago. Oh, that's and awesome. I don't know. She, she's, like, I get why she's popular among like you know certain fans like she's she's interesting i i really liked how she was like a former like physics student or whatever yeah and i was just like yeah like that's cool there's like something that she could bring to the table being like an actual college student and she's like kind of an activist mm-hmm. you know she's like trying to in the episode she's like trying to you know I can't remember what the villain's name is, but he's like, you know, got this like new, like nuclear submarine or something. So she's like trying to fight against like nuclear power. And um, (laughs) yeah, I just, you know, I thought, I thought that was really cool. So, yeah, let me, let me back up just a little bit because I was curious about this. So was it something that was planned way beforehand before issue 100 that you would be taking the reins after that? Or was that something that, that happened kind of closer to that release date? Hmm. Um, I'm trying to remember when, like, I agreed to do it. I think it was, like, like last June or something wow. like that. So yeah. what was it like for you? Yeah, I mean, who approached you, and were you nervous, or were you pumped? Well, yeah, Bobby, you know, because he takes, he does all that stuff, so Bobby approached me first. I actually said no at first. Oh, no way. I didn't know that. Because I was working on, I was working on a different book early last year. And it's like, no, you know, I'm working on this, blah, blah, blah. And um, I kept, you know, I kept thinking about, it's just like, God, turtles, like, uh, <laughs> I don't know, like writing it, like, writing and drawing, that's, you know, that's pretty stressful. I don't know. Yeah. You know, like that. And then, you know, I decided, I was like, nah, I should do it. And so I put this other book on the shelf. Wow. And, you know, I, I got back to Bobby. I was just like, hey, is that position still open? Like, have you approached anybody else? <laughs> and he's just like, no, it's still open. It's yours if you want it. Wow, that is cool. Yes, I said, yeah. Yeah, well, first of all, the heart that I noticed right away, uh, post-issue 100, it's so good. It is really good. Like, you feel the, the sadness, you know, post-Splinter's uh, death. You feel you feel that the turtles have just completely drifted apart, and they're just lost. And, oh, man, I love the conflict between Raf and Jenny. Yeah. I love that. Um, was that something you? Because I love their dynamic. You know, when they're fighting with each other and and when they're when they're cool with each other. Is that something you always intended for them to have? Kind of like this. I, I almost see Jenny as like a big sister to Raph in a lot of ways. Yeah, because well, like when you know, like Jenny had you know she's been around since like issue fifty one or something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like as as a human, and then she had only been mutated for like a few issues. And so when I took over, like, I felt like, like, okay, like now I, I'm going to have to lay a lot of groundwork here because, you know, Jenny was mutated in 
a kind of thick of city at war, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and there just wasn't there wasn't much time for her to like sit down with the characters and kind of bounce off of them because there's like so you know like like oh my god the dragon ah uh, you know like, <laughs> you know like they had to do you know <laughs> yeah a little busy so yeah very busy and so yeah I felt like I had to lay the groundwork for her as a member of the group and kind of like figure out like how she fits with like each of the other turtles mm-hmm. And I feel like, I feel like Raph is kind of like, he's like this linchpin, like litmus test kind of character. Yeah, good point. Where like, okay, how does Turtle X deal with Raph? Like that's, you know, like that's the test or whatever. So I feel, you know, like I thought about it, you know, so, okay, well, Leo, you know, he butts heads with Raph. Mikey kind of tries to, like, diffuse the situation mm-hmm. with, like, Raph is falling off the handle. And Donatello, he's he's kind of like the wallflower when it comes to Raph. He just kind of <laughs> stands aside. He's like, I'm whatever. out. Right. He's, you know, doing something else. And so I was like, well, you know, like, what's missing there? Like, what is, how does Jenny deal with Raph? And I felt like she pushes back against Raph in a way that Leo doesn't, mm-hmm. you know, she like tries to like deflate Raph, which is like something the other turtles don't really do. Yeah, I agree. And, and in what, uh, issue one Oh three, Oh man. Confrontation they have, um, where Jenny, she has a great line here. She's like, you're ninja. You need to act like it. You always act like a baby instead. And I was just waiting. Right. Okay, here it comes. Raph's going to go nuts. And I'll tell you, what Raph says is so hurtful. I mean, talk about getting to your core of, of really trying to hurt somebody. Um, he says, shut up. You didn't even love him, referring to Splinter. You you ain't his daughter. You're just some random gutter punk he felt bad for. He was the only one who gave a crap about you, and now he's dead. Wow. I mean, and like, he's not wrong. No. And on certain levels, right? No, but man, I, and and and, yeah. and the art that you you have right after that, the if I'm remembering right, there are no words after that, and Jenny just kind of looks off as as Raph storms off, and you can just feel the pain in her face, and you just nail that artwork. No, thank you. Um, and I felt like <sighs> I wanted her to like push yeah. Raph in a different way than the other turtles where she's like, cause like none of the other turtles are ever like, like Raph, you're stupid. Like you're being, <laughs> you're being a, st- oh, right now. <laughs> you know? And so I wanted Jenny to be like that. And you know, the only, I feel like the only thing that Raph would do is either just like stand there in shock or whatever. Yeah. Or, he would just lash out with like the meanest thing he could think of. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, th- yeah. and that's the truth. And then um, I love, um, oh gosh, in issue 104 where, you know, they don't have a like, hey, will you forgive me kind of moment or anything like that. They just kind of move on. You know, there's a mutual understanding between the two and they just move on. You know, things were said that needed to be said and now it's over. And I, I once again, I think, wow, they've got an interesting relationship, those two. Yeah, because I felt like, I felt like Jenny just like, was like, oh, I don't want to deal with like, the mushy apologies, like, right. it's, forget, it's stupid, it doesn't matter. Which kind of makes yeah. me like her more, yeah. <laughs> I'm glad. <laughs> yeah, like, she doesn't, she doesn't have time for that nonsense. Right, they got things to do, they got, uh, what, kids to take care of. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, let, let's talk about Hob for a minute. So, as, as a fan, and also now, as, you know, right, driving the main story here. What's your stance on Hob from the beginning and now? Is it a character you've always liked? Is it a character you've never trusted? What's your thing about him? Um, I love Hob. I think he's great. And I, I mean, the thing, the main thing that I want to do, do with Hob that probably won't happen <laughs> is that I want him to die. Oh, me too. But in a cool way. My, my original pitch when I first took over had him dying at the end. Oh. 
Um, you know, Bobby was like, ah, let's keep him around. I'm like, all right. <laughs> you know, cause like I wanted him. I had another, I had another version of the pitch where Raph, uh, throws a sigh into Hobbs' other eye. Oh, oh man. <laughs> like, oh, so he's, he would be blind in both eyes. Wow. And I, I just, I keep, I keep wanting Hobb to like pay in some way. So you want him to die like, as a villain? Like, not necessarily. Cause I had, I had other ideas where he would like, he would like sacrifice himself for the weasels. See, I'd love that. To like protect them or something like that. And I keep wanting, I keep wanting him to like suffer that like, um, some kind of like physical atonement or something yeah. You know, he'll he'll look in the mirror and he'll see it every time or something like that. Oh, see, I love that. I I hope you still do that somehow. So, I don't think you know. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna kill Hob off or whatever. But like, I feel like he. I don't even know if I'm gonna get to do like some big reckoning or something. Um, we'll see. Well, yeah, because like you know, it's not like if I was gonna conclude the series entirely, like that's what I would really push for, but. You know, there's going to be, you know, somebody else coming in after I'm gone. So, like, I have to, I can't, I can't, like, you know, completely wreck Hob <laughs> before somebody else gets to have their shot with him, I guess. So, speaking of that, like, how long do you, do you have any idea how long you're going to be with the Turtles? Is that something that you know in advance, or is it just? Um, yeah, I'm tentatively writing up through issue 120. Wow, that's a heck of a run. Yeah, it's like you know many more issues than we had had like had planned at first because the original thing was Bobby was like, "Hey, do you want to you know be the kind of showrunner for Turtles for like a year, like twelve issues?" And then it just kind of ballooned into this whole other thing. Um, like I'm only probably drawing five more issues, so I'll end up having drawn five or ten ten issues. Um, but yeah, they're I'm writing like way more issues than I ever expected. Well, I'm loving what you're you're doing so far. Um, so the Splinter Clan was that all your idea too? Yeah, um, I love that idea. Cause like you know I wanted you know they they have a a dojo you know Jenny's ostensibly a Ninja Turtle but she's not Hamato you know she's not part of their family mm-hmm. and I was like well what about Alpex like she's been there since day one or whatever. Yeah, I know it. So, like, you know, I wanted, I wanted something that they could all like be in, you know? Yeah. So I just, like, I, I wanted them to just have a new clan. Like everybody can be a part of it. And, you know, it's bigger. It's like a bigger concept than just the Hamato family. Yeah. And I love, I love that. And speaking of Alpex, uh, uh, she gets her headband, which I thought I'm, yeah, yeah. was really I, cool. I pushed pretty hard for that. Um, Did you? Good for you. Um, I don't think – like, she probably won't be wearing it all the time. I figured it was just, like, kind of ceremonial. But I wanted her to ha- to have it in that one scene, at least. Yeah. She needs her moment. Yeah. So I thought that, I thought that was really cool. All right. So let's see. I've got, gosh, tons more notes. And I'm going to probably think of 30 more questions before this is all said and done. Oh, okay. I love the scene where um, it's in 104. And earlier, I think it's in 102, you know, you see the turtles are drifting apart. Donatello decides to go to Mutant Town with April. And Michelangelo is very withdrawn. So is Leo tending to the plants. Uh, actually, while, that's, while I'm saying that, was that, there anything behind that about Leo wanting to just tend to the plants? It wasn't, like, based on anything. It was just, like, you know, gardening is this really, like, you know, kind of therapeutic, therapeutic yeah. thing. And it's also, like, you know, you plant something and it grows, mm. you know, so it's, like, kind of symbolic there. And there's also, like, um, uh, ikebana, which is the traditional Japanese art of floral arrangement. Um, yeah, it, it just seemed to fit. Like yeah, really. yeah, and uh, I think it's interesting that Michelangelo is the kind of the withdrawn one, because I always saw him, especially in the IDW run, as kind of the heart of the turtles. You know, he seems to be the moral compass in a lot of ways. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so I mean, when Splinter's gone, he doesn't know how to process it, and then when Clunko's missing, you know, speaking of Clunk earlier, when, when he goes missing for uh, 
a couple issues, and then they find him in I think 103, and just that scene where they all just kind of laugh together. They finally kind of just get it out, and they're just you know having this this cathartic moment. I really love that. That was really well done. Yeah, I'm glad. It's, yeah, like, you know, when emotions are so tense and everything is, like, bopped yeah. up, sometimes it, it just takes, like, something really stupid, you know, and, like, you just start laughing because you're just so bottled up. Um, no kidding, yeah. And, you know, like, and for anybody who has a cat, I feel like, you know, that kind of stuff happens where, like... Mm-hmm. You know, the cat's just gone or whatever, and then you're like, "Oh my god, it's over! It's over!" And then the cat's just like, "Hey," and, you know, just like, <laughs> like nothing's wrong. And so, yeah, and I thought I thought that would be a good way to like break the ice between all the characters. And perfectly, perfectly done. I love that. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, I like I can't remember who it was. They're like, "Oh, your cat's right here." He's just like sitting there, like he's been there the whole time. The whole time, right? That's the problem. Why is everybody so upset? Uh, So yeah, and I also love that Jenny is the one that kind of comes up with the idea of the Splinter Clan. I think it was Jenny, right? Uh, No, well, she she suggested like I can't remember. I think she might have been the one that got the turtles back together. Like, hey, yeah, you she know, gets, it's time. Yeah, she kind of rallies them. I think Michelangelo came up with the name. Yeah, that's it. And Leo came up with, like, an actual, the the, the idea for the actual dojo, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, which is perfect. And, and when they actually do set up the dojo and they're, they're teaching the kids and trying to be there for the kids. I'm a teacher, and there's a uh-huh. scene where, where Leo's trying to, he's like, I don't understand how, Splinter did this. These kids will not listen to me. I'm like, right. preach it, brother. <laughs> All these like brat kids. <laughs> they never listen. <laughs> uh, but I, I just think, uh, I think it's just so awesome what you're doing with the turtles right now. And uh, I love Slithery story arc. It very, it has a very much like Halloween X Files theme to me or feeling to me, which I'm yeah. Really liking. Yeah, I wanted it to be kind, kind of like X Files and kind of just like a monster movie. Yeah, yeah, I can. I totally see that. Like, um, like the host or something. Ooh, yes. Uh, so Lita, real, real quick, uh, what inspired that character for you? Um. Well, like you know, I wanted there to be like some kid characters, obviously, mm-hmm. and originally I had wanted to use Venus. Oh wow! But for whatever reason, her and all the next mutation stuff is like off limits um i don't know if it's like a rights thing because i think i think next mutation and like power rangers and stuff i think they're all under the same umbrella of like hasbro or something at this point which is like part of viacom i don't even know anymore (laughs) it's like you know it's all these like subsidiaries and stuff but like you know i couldn't i couldn't use venus and but i still had i had this like character design that i really liked um and I was just like, oh, I'll just you know, team her up at team, you know, team her up at the Weasels and just make it a different character. So yeah, that's that's pretty much how it came about. I mean, I think she's like pretty divorced from the original Venus concept at this point. Oh, for sure, yeah. Um, I mean, there's like, there's you know, so much stuff changed since my original pitch. But yeah, I, I wanted I, I wanted Lita to be like. Like another, like another thing is, so like, so like something I really love about like other incarnations of the turtles is turtle tots, and <laughs> we can't, like IDW doesn't have turtle tots the way the mutation works. Like yeah. they were turtles, they just were like adults like instantly, and they've only been around for like six years or something. <laughs> um, so I was like, I was like, ah, I can finally do turtle tots with Lena. <laughs> <laughs> that was also like I just want to draw like this little baby turtle character. I've won this since you won. Yeah, 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 pretty much. So like that that was also part of it. And I I just I wanted it to be kind of like uh she's it's like the next generation kind of mm-hmm. you know, so like Splinter is like passing along the stuff that he knows to the turtles and then I wanted there to be this kind of like obvious kind of parallel where the turtles are like passing splinters 
teachings or whatever on to the next generation, whatever that looks like. And I thought a young turtle would like kind of like, you know, get that point across. Yeah, it adds a lot of heart to the issues too. Um, I love Jenny's speech to her about the bullying. Um, and you, you kind of see Lita and Jenny have a pretty close relationship. And, and Leonardo too, because they have kind of a little spoiler yeah. alert here, uh, falling out and uh, and everything that comes after that's pretty pretty interesting. Um, so I, I just think that the story in, in some sense is, has kind of slowed down in the way that, you know, okay, the dragon's gone and everything. The, the turtles are back together. But also it's ramping up because we got a new villain here. We find out a few things about Baxter, which is pretty interesting. Yeah. So, you know, it feels like, okay, this is this is the beginning of something pretty great coming up, too. And and just the heartfelt moments uh, that are sprinkled in between it, just really fantastic stuff. And it's exactly what I expected from you. So really great stuff. Yeah, I'm trying to I'm trying to keep it pretty, pretty small, I guess. Like, mm-hmm. you know, there's some some fans they are like, well, what about, you know, Krang or whatever? And I just like. You know, City of Tom's City at War was great, but it's like you know, I was like, it's like so, it's like so exhausting, like in a good, yeah. you know, where you're just like, oh, okay, they did it, oh, okay, okay, I gotta take a breath now. <laughs> yeah, and I'm just like, I'm still kind of like recovering from like, like oh, yeah, we all are absolutely that, that happened, yeah, and I'm just like, can we just do like some small stuff for a little bit? You know, just like, just focus on Mutant Town. Like, I don't know what Null is doing. It doesn't matter. <laughs> she get, she's got her own thing going on. You know, nobody's yeah. trying to conquer the world. It's just like, you know, this this kind of like really kind of street level stuff. Yeah, and I love the rock concert. That was great. Thanks, yeah. Yes, absolutely. And I love how uh, so Bludgeon and Koya, they're just watching them. And Koya's like, you know, I could kill them right now. Yeah. And Bludgeon, and Bludgeon's like, yeah, just let them have fun. <laughs> Quaid just wants to murder everybody all the time. That's an angry bird, yeah. <laughs> yeah, she's she's got Koya's got some stuff coming up. It's going to be pretty good. Oh, excellent, yeah. excellent. Oh, something to look forward to. Yeah, I love Koya. <laughs> Koya's not going anywhere. Uh, I'm glad to hear that, and I'm glad you're not going anywhere anytime soon. Uh, I'm loving your run with the turtles. Really a fan of your work. I know absolutely nothing about Gem and the Holograms. Nothing. But I know you're involved, so I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a shot. <laughs> so. Yeah, you should at least the first, because I think yeah I, I did the first six issues, and then there was like a break of four issues, and then I did eleven, twelve, fourteen, no, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, 15, twelve to sixteen, something like that. I don't know. Oh, it's all blur. But anyway, yeah. I definitely, I'm, I'm a huge fan of yours. I want to check a lot of your solo stuff out too. So uh, I just have two more questions for you. Um, sure. One is, you know, do you have any advice you'd give to any, you know, young aspiring artists or writers that are just want to kind of go into the comic book industry? A- any kind of just nugget of information or advice that uh, you could pass on to them? Oh, man. I think, hmm, I feel like the, I feel like the, the the industry it's like so different from when like I first broke in back before Twitter, but like I think just make friends with your peers most of all, mm. and because like a lot of the like like a lot of the biggest stuff for me was just like making friends with like other artists that I liked, yeah, you know, and then like ma- then that turning into like genuine friendship and then they they would recommend me to like their editors and and vice versa and so forth and there's like you know this kind of like network of people that isn't just like fair like like a a fair weather contact or just trying to rub elbows with like editors you know i think just like making friends with like the other artists around you is like really important um I think that is a wonderful point because, um, as a matter of fact, um, back in the Turtle Flakes days, uh, David Avalone or Avalone, who is involved in the Drawing Blood comic with Kevin Eastman, he said the Hi. same exact thing. He said, "You know, make friends with these people first. You know, if if they if people can smell a pitch a mile away, oh, you know, absolutely. yeah, yeah, and and if you can make a genuine friendship with somebody who happens to be creative too, you know, who knows what kind of." doors that could open but that shouldn't be the motivation to be friends in the first place you know uh, i i cannot agree more with that 
yeah, like, um, you know, like I, you know, I'm friends with, you know, like to this day, I'm friends with artists that I, you know, like I met at conventions back in like, you know, 2002 or, or whatever. Oh, wow. And, you know, it's just like, that's what really like builds your career. Like, I mean, like also, you know, doing good comics helps too, but <laughs> You know, just like having that network is really helpful, and, and people kind of like recommending each other for jobs, and yeah, you know the like motivating each other and stuff like that. And um, like you were saying, you know, you can smell a pitch or whatever. Yeah, there's like definitely people, like other artists or like like other um, like aspiring people who, you know, like I I can tell that they just want me because or you know they want to uh, network with me mm-hmm. in hopes that i'll like i'll get them a job or something and it's right. just like that's kind of a bummer exactly yeah, it sucks yeah i've actually you know i've met some people that have actually been my friends and i've not done any like creative projects or anything like that but i know that hey that person's my friend if if that person would be interested in doing it, that'd be great. But maybe they would know somebody else, you know. But the, yeah. the main thing is that person was my friend years before I decided to, you know, do something creative with with that particular person. So, uh, but it's nice to have that kind of uh, network of people to go to if you do have a question about a creative project or something like that. Yeah, definitely. And I feel like it's it's even easier and better now because, like, you know, there's Twitter. Mm-hmm. You know, and like meet people so easily through Twitter, and yeah. then time lot... right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and there's a lot of like, like comics art, like oriented, like Discord servers that that you know, like you can join and chat with people there. There's like all sorts of like community things that weren't around when uh, I was first getting into the industry. That's a good point. Sometimes, you know, these whole social media things can be a good thing every now and then. Yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, like every artist and every editor or whatever is just like one tweet away, you know? Yeah, that. well, that you, we were talking about it earlier in the episode. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to randomly ask Sophie Campbell if she wants to come on the show. And you're like, sure. Yeah. <laughs> as easy as that. <laughs> Nothing to lose. Exactly, exactly. You know? Yeah, I, I cold DM, cold email people all the time. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> Well, uh, I guess the last thing I was going to ask you is um, it's kind of a philosophical question or whatever, but uh, what do the Ninja Turtles mean to you? Oh, man, I don't know if I can answer that question. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what they mean to me. Hmm. I don't know. God, I don't know. I mean, like, obviously, they're, you know, I love the turtles and that's what got me into the comics back in the day. And like working on turtles is great. I don't know. They, uh, I don't know. I don't know how to describe that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> hey, it's understandable. I, I, I get that. Yeah. Cause it's like, I don't know. There's just like a, there's just like a gut feeling about it. You know, where, you know, there's, like, a lot of cheesy stuff that, you know, like, oh, the turtles are all about family, like, that kind of thing. Like, I don't know if that's true or if that's why I like them. Yeah. You know, because, like, a lot of the Mirage stuff I like is not really about family. It's just about, you know, some weird stuff that happens. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. Like, maybe that's part of why I like it, where it doesn't have to mean anything. Yeah. You know, like, it can, like, obviously, and, you know, there are definitely, definitely, like, themes and stuff, but, like, a lot of my favorite turtle stuff, it's just some stuff that happens, mm-hmm. and I think, like, uh, I think it, I don't remember if it was, like, a quote from Peter Laird, or if it was, like, in an actual comic or whatever, but, like, about turtles, the quote was, like, life at best is bittersweet. You know, and I feel like I feel like that's what turtles are about yeah. to me. Where you know they're fun, uh, they're teenagers is crazy, but it's also just like there's this kind of undercurrent that's just like this really like like even when when it's fantastical, mm-hmm. 
there's this feeling of just this kind of like life, like heavy, like, uh, like, uh, I'm just tired or something. Like, <laughs> you know, you're sweet. Like, you know, like, oh, we're alive, but like, oh, this sucks. <laughs> At this, and I feel like, like all my favorite turtle stuff is kind of like that, where it has this kind of like slight, like nihilistic. Yeah. Like edge to it, I guess. And like, not, not, not like every version of the turtles has that, but um, that's like most of my favorite stuff. And I try to like, maybe like maybe my own turtle stuff is like too uplifting to really be like nihilistic. But at the same time, like I try to give it a sense of like, this is just some shit that's happening. And you just have to like do your best or not do your best. It's right. Exactly. It's fine. You know? Well, yeah, not to mention, like you said, yeah, there could be some pretty heavy stuff that happens with the turtles, but there's some random stuff. They're just having a paintball match or whatever, or just skateboarding down the road, whatever it might be. There's so much versatility in this series. You could do anything with it. You could have one uh, issue be where it's one of the most heartfelt, you know, emotional issues, and then you can have another one where it's it's so laid back and the girls are just hanging out. Um, I think the versatility alone is one of the biggest draws to the turtles too. Yeah, definitely. And I feel like, um, I mean, for me, like when I was a kid, one of the, the, the thing that caught my attention originally is, is that like, they're not people or yeah. they're not human, which is like a major draw. I think where it's like, you know, even in like my current thing where there's like mutant town or, in volume four where like aliens colonize earth. So the turtles are, are able to like be out and about, mm-hmm. you know, there's still this kind of just like, well, you know, we're not human. So we'll never like really fit in. Yeah. And, but you know, maybe that's okay. It's fine. Yeah. As long as they wear their undercover suit, they're good. Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> they don't fit in. It's fine. And so there's definitely something about them like not being humans and I like that um like like uh, they're like some sometimes they're kind of positioned like superheroes which I don't like that much yeah. um and I feel like that's kind of appealing too like they're you know like they're ninjas but you know, they can fight crime sometimes if they feel like it, but it's like they don't always feel like doing that. Yeah. yeah. And most of the time they just want to just live their lives and sit around. Yeah. But it's like, oh, <laughs> like, like, oh here's another monster. Why does everyone want uh, to kill us? <laughs> right. Yeah. And that's like one thing I've always liked about it. It kind of reminds me of like, I was going to say Indiana Jones, but that's not really mm-hmm. right. Because, like, he, you know, seeks out artifacts. But there's a lot of, like, Indiana Jones, this kind of feeling where he's just like, oh, God. He's just kind of, like, exasperated or something. We're like, I just want to be left alone right now. (laughs) And, like, that's kind of what the Turtles are are like for me, where they just kind of, you know, they want to, like, live their lives. But everybody's, like, you know, everybody wants a piece of them. Mm. And that is very true. If they were like left alone, they they probably they they wouldn't save the world. They wouldn't go out and fight crime. They wouldn't do any of that stuff. They, <laughs> they would just you know do what they feel like doing and like pursue their hobbies or whatever. And I like that about them. Yeah, I was gonna say in a way, in a weird way, they kind of seem like the X Men. But I wouldn't even say that because um, the X Men, you know, with the oh lord, I'm. I'm not an expert, yeah. <laughs> expert in X-Men, but the, the Academy, right. you know, isn't that to teach them to become superheroes? Right. Or? Yeah, they're like, the X-Men, they're like rescue teams, kind of. Yeah, right, right, and the Turtles just aren't that. Yeah, they're mutants, yeah, they're different from society, and because of that, people are after them, but they weren't really trained to be superheroes. In right, movie. yeah, and in the old Mirage stuff, they were trained to murder yeah. Shredder. Yeah. Yeah, to kill Shredder, and then that's it, that's all, that was their goal. And then all the stuff that happens after that is just them kind of like sitting around in their lair or at like Northampton and then like some. Go up, bunga! 
around and they have to deal with it. Yeah. yeah but, like, if none of that stuff happened, they would just be sitting at the farmhouse forever. <laughs> and just living True. at the farmhouse. And right? I, I'd probably still read a, a story like that. Yeah, which I, I, I like that. You know, I, I like that they're not, like, you know, like, uh, we'd like we have to combat injustice. You know, that's, <laughs> that's boring. Uh, awesome. Well, well, Sophie, it has been an awesome, awesome um, pleasure and honor to have you on the show. Thank you so much. I, this has been a blast for me as a fan. And uh, listeners, I hope you've enjoyed this as much as I have recording this. Uh, and we'd absolutely love to have you on the show again if you'd ever be interested. Yeah, absolutely. And, awesome, uh, awesome. Like maybe the the next time we do it, we'll have a better connection. Yes, I hope so. Yeah, for, hopefully I've worked all the kinks out to where listeners can't tell. But we've yeah. been disconnected like a dozen times, and it's it's been storming today. So I'm wondering if that has something to do with it. But but yeah, yeah guys, you got to go check out the IDW run right now. It is absolutely fantastic. As of recording this, uh, issue 107 is out. It is great. Ends on a cliffhanger, as they all do, seems like. <laughs> and uh, once again, Sophie, you're doing a wonderful job with the Turtles. And I'm just a big fan of everything you're doing. Thanks. I'm glad. And thanks for having me. It was awesome. Uh, awesome to have you. And uh, definitely look forward to having you again. Yeah, definitely. All right, dudes, you do that. Well, first of all, I just want to thank Sophie Campbell again for coming on. It was an absolute blast to finally talk to one of my heroes in the comic industry. She's doing a wonderful job. Guys, as I said before, go check out the IDW run if you've not already done so. Um, it's firing on all cylinders, even past issue 100, which boggles my mind to think about. So if you want to check out Sophie Campbell's work, she's got several websites you can check out. Um, she has a DeviantArt page at DeviantArt.com slash Mooncalf, and that's C-A-L-F-E. You can also check her out at IDWPublishing.com slash Creators slash Sophie dash Campbell. And also, um, <laughs> the easiest way I was able to contact her was on on Twitter, and you can follow her work there. Uh, her handle is at Mooncalf1. Again, that's C-A-L-F-E-1. Well, guys, hope you enjoyed listening. Thank you so, so much for, for sticking with us. Sorry there's been such a gap between Episode 2 of Cousin Sid and Episode 3. But about that, in Episode 3, it's already recorded, it's already edited, it's ready to go, and that will be posted in mid-August. So as I'm recording this, it is August 7th. I'm hoping to have it out on Saturday morning, August 15th. So stay tuned for that. We cover Nobody's Fool. And um, I have an old uh, special guest that will be on that show to talk about the comic as well. And last but not least, um, my email address is turtletalesradio at gmail.com. If you have any feedback regarding this particular episode or any of the episodes we've done, I would love to hear from you and share your feedback on the show. Or you can always just give us a call on our Google voicemail. It's a Turtlecom hotline, and the number is 865-309-4875. Or you can follow us on Twitter at turtletalesshow or on Instagram at Turtle Tales Radio. I know they're different handles. Uh, I don't think I could fit radio, uh, Turtle Tales Radio, on the Twitter feed. So there you go. Sorry about the different uh, handles there. Never been really good at promoting the show. And that's it for another episode of Turtle Tales Radio. Thank you again for listening, and I'll see you here in the sewers in a couple of weeks to talk about Nobody's Fool. Can't wait. As always, cowabunga, my friends, turtle power, and here's to hoping you enjoy a mega slice of pineapple and marshmallow pizza. Cowabunga, dudes. 